Greetings, friends, fellow patriots, fellow citizens, fellow citizens and non-citizens. I hope that you are having a great Thanksgiving Day weekend. Uh, today is Saturday, November 25th, so it's the day after uh, Thanksgiving or two days after Thanksgiving, Saturday 25th. Hope you had a great holiday. Uh, I saw the weather was pretty decent around most of the country. It was clear and cold here in Ohio. We had a great time. And uh, again, we hope that you, you had a really great time. My name is Tom Zawistowski. I'm the host of this podcast. I'm also the president of the We The People Convention. And this podcast and our, our emails and our webpage and our um, our text messages and, and our trips to see other you know, patriot groups and speak and our donations to other conservative groups are all paid for by the generous donations of the members of the We the People Convention. And we thank those of you who are able to donate. If you can, please go to wethepeopleconvention.org and give what you can because the fight for the next 12 months is going to be like nothing we've ever seen before. And it's going to take a lot of resources. Um, on Friday, I sent out a email that uh, basically invited you to watch uh, one of four different videos uh, between watching football games and eating leftover turkey. Uh, and, uh, you know, I saw a lot of you, you know, thousands of people came to the website and, and were doing that. And uh, I thought it was appropriate because I know, uh, you know, while you, you've got a lot of things socially going on for Thanksgiving, uh, there's also these downtimes. And I, I was using that to, you know, clean up my computer and my desktop on my computer, things like that. But I also watched a lot of videos and I, I sent out some good ones. Uh, for those of you who are longtime, you know, listeners to this podcast, you know that we talk a lot about the importance of telling the truth, that you can't live a life of lies, even though we are being forced to live in a sea of lies, right? They're lying to us all the time, whether it's on TV, through ads, or even the quote unquote, the news coverage, or it's the government speaking to you, or it's any agency, they're, they're lying to us. And, and you have to fight that. And, and in this podcast, we work very hard to find the truth as best we can, drill down. And, and for those of you who are new to this podcast, you know, we're, this is a news aggregation show. We look at what happened over the week. We try to get rid of the propaganda, focus on news that affects your individual freedom, liberty, and prosperity. Okay. And then we not only tell you about that news, but we also take action to help you know, improve our, our chances to have individual freedom, liberty, and prosperity. If you don't get our emails, please go to wethepeopleconvention.org right on the front page and enter your email and your, and your phone number so we can text you. But, but I want to focus on the, the, the issue of truth because Tucker Carlson came out with a really important video uh, right before Thanksgiving where he talks about this. And, it, and it's no small thing, you know. I mean... You know, I, the flag, as you can see, is still flying upside down, right? Because we are endangered. For those of you who don't know why that is, it's not disrespect for our flag. It's because we are in, you know, dire distress. We are in danger to our, our very lives and our property from the lies that are being told and, and the, you know, the attacks that the communists are making around the world and not just here in the United States. So when Tucker Carlson made this speech, about the importance of always telling the truth, 
uh, and you should watch the whole thing. I'm not going to play it for you here. It's it's 28 minutes, I think it is. So it's not long. It's at wethepeopleconvention.org. I'm just going to play a segment of it to give you a taste of it. Basically, he's saying, if you want to defeat the left, tell the truth, no matter what the cost. You know, don't be cruel. He talks a lot about, you know, but just be frank. If you're at a social gathering over this weekend or at Christmas time, New Year's, whatever, and someone starts talking the nonsense about diversity and we're a racist country and, and uh, you know, that uh, the, you know, it's the Jews, Israelis who are the terrorists and that, you know, the Palestinians are, are victims, you got to say no. You just have to look at them and call me and say, I'm sorry, but I think you're wrong and I disagree with that. And that just disarms them because they can't prove their points. So before I go any further, let me play this clip from uh, Tucker Carlson because I, I think he makes a great point here. And if you are governed by people who actively hate the truth and who lie for the sheer animal thrill of doing so, you are living in a dark time under very dark people. And the stakes are the ultimate stakes. It's not about, <laughs> it's not about who gets elected. <laughs> It's about what happens to the world in your soul. And so my advice, like, what, you know, what can you do about that? You know, it's a very action-oriented, practical country. So people are always like, well, what can you do? I have no freaking idea what you can do. Write your congressman? He's not going to read your letter. Go to your school board meeting, you're going to get arrested. I think you should do it anyway. I think you should tell the truth anyway. I think the only way to stay alive and fully human in a moment like this is to resolve that you are going to tell the truth in every and all circumstance. And if you can't say it out loud, stay silent. If it's going to hurt the feelings of someone you love, that's an absolutely justifiable reason to be quiet. But in every other circumstance, whether you're standing in carpool line with all the you know, fashionable ladies in your neighborhood at the stupid private school, no offense, I sent my kids to one too. I hate them. Um, or whether you're at a dinner party, or whether your wife's friends are over in their soul cycle outfits talking about something and you disagree, there's a way to do it. You can be gentle, you can be empathetic, and you always should be. But you should never allow yourself to repeat anything that you know is not true. That will destroy you. That is the mark, not of a free man or a citizen, but of a slave. That is the difference between freedom and slavery is the right to say what you actually think. That is, that is the line. And anyone who is trying to force you to lie is A, your enemy, and B, believes that you are subhuman. That's pretty strong stuff. But he's absolutely right. I mean, it's, he's absolutely right. You demean yourself when you lie because they force you to lie. And so the single most important thing that all of us can do is to commit to tell the truth no matter what, no matter what the price, whatever the consequences are, if we want to save not just our country, but Western civilization, because that's what's under attack by global communism. Okay? And so I want to open with that clip and be sure to go to wethepeopleconvention.org to see that. It's in the video section and share it with people because it's 30-some it's minutes and you know he goes into a lot of depth about this. 
But that's why this program has to be about the truth. That's why, you know, you got to call me out if I say something wrong. And I need to be open to criticism. And I'll talk a little bit about that later in the podcast about some things that you guys brought up. Okay? But just remember, you know, that it all begins with values. And, and one of the values we have is truth. Okay? That's one of the things we have. And that's why the January 6th is so important to us. Because it's a lie. The insurrection is a damned damnable lie we know that those of us who were there those of us who know people were there those of us who pay any attention know that but the lie continues and and that's why we and and we you know, we pray i mean on thanksgiving day I'm, I'm i'm just sitting there i wrote to jake lang you know the the political prisoner that i interviewed just a week ago that you can hear his interview from the prison cell in solitary confinement. You know, I'm sitting there on Thanksgiving Day, you know, kind of not feeling too good about, I'm sitting here eating a wonderful turkey dinner, and this person, and and hundreds if not, you know, I think 300 or so, uh, uh, 347 I think it is now, of these patriots are in prison for not breaking the law, because they're being politically persecuted for doing what? Telling the truth. The election was stolen. So we begin our podcast, for those who are new, with a, a prayer for all the January 6th political prisoners and their families and their lawyers, asking God to give them the strength and courage to continue this fight and get, asking them to be able to hold on until we can bring, we can set them free. And, and, and get them restitution and put in prison the people who illegally did this to them. The criminals in the DOJ and the FBI who've lied about the evidence, and I'm going to show you some of that next, um, that they're in prison. And we look forward to that day. So join me in a brief prayer for all the January 6th political prisoners, their families, and lawyers. We're sure hoping is the last Thanksgiving there in prison. That's that's what we're hoping. All right, so now let's get on you know, with the news, and we have lots of January 6th news. This story, I just wanted to use this story to open up to put it in perspective of how insane this is. January 6th, police beating victim sentenced to 10 days in jail, 90 days of home detention. Victoria White, the Minnesota woman, beaten by Metropolitan Police Department officials at the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021, was sentenced to 10 days of intermittent jail time and 90 days of home detention by U.S. District Judge John Bates on November 20th. The U.S. Department of Justice had sought up to four months in prison under a plea agreement with Mrs. White, who was originally charged with four crimes on January 26, 2022. In August, Mrs. White pleaded guilty to one count of civil disorder and aiding and abetting a felony charge that carried up to a five year uh, five years in prisons. 
Mrs. White, 41, of Rochester, Minnesota, has been posting frequent commentary on her case and other J6 topics on the Twitter platform X, but her account, uh, um, her account disappeared shortly after her hearing in the district court this week. Prosecutors said Mrs. White helped. This is what she was charged with. She helped boost up a rioter at the entrance to the Lower West Ter- Terrace Tunnel where the man then kicked at police. Now, again, she helped the guy get up, okay, to, to this terrace. She doesn't know what he's going to do. She doesn't know he's going to kick police. How could she know that? Well, that's the felony, okay? Her case was unique because in addition to being a January 6th defendant, she was a victim of a brutal beating by the police officers inside the Lower West Terrace Tunnel just after 4 p.m. Overhead security video and Metropolitan Police body cam footage shows that Mrs. White suffered at least 39 blows from steel batons and fists to the head, face, and neck. She was assaulted by the police. Recently released body cam uh, footage shows her being speared in the ribs with a baton, grabbed by the hair, and shoved by a hand on her neck. Okay? She goes to prison. The police officers who did that haven't been charged. And if she's charged with this quote-unquote felony by for lifting uh, someone, helping someone get up, you know, on, on the terrace, not knowing what they're going to do, but they hold her responsible for that. That's the untruth. That's the lies of all of this. And I'm praying that she sues the hell of the Metropolitan Police Department because that was excessive use of force. And 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 you know, you know, you all know that we celebrated last week. That Speaker, you know, Mike Johnson, House Speaker Mike Johnson, released the 44,000 hours of footage. And the left is going berserko because footage like of what happened to her is coming out, and you're seeing footage of police firing. There, there's people not in the Capitol, you know, they're out in, out in front of the Capitol. And the police open fire on them without them doing anything. They're not rioting. They're just standing around talking to each other. Every one of those people has to sue. With the sue the hell out of the police department. Okay? Now, I posted one of the four things I said, besides the Tucker Carlson piece that I posted for you to watch, was a new piece by Laura Logan. And um, it's really quite good. And if you know Laura Logan, she's an independent investigative reporter. She does great work. And uh, she's on X now because nobody else will have her because they won't allow the truth, but Musk is allowing it. As more and more video comes out thanks to House Speaker Johnson, it will become much more clear that instead of an assault on Congress, January 6th was an actual illegal assault on the American people and particularly those in attendance that day in Washington. Okay? So now let me just play you know, from this Laura Logan's investigation. And again, the whole thing is at wethepeopleconvention.org. I believe it's in the news section, not the video section. And here's a clip from her report. Well, there was one video clip that had made it out uh, in public that some people had claimed this was definitely a police officer. We verified that to be true. This is the clip recorded on the body cam of the undercover officer in question. I've never seen anything like this. He can be heard chanting. USA! 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 
Yeah. They're fucking through, they're throwing shit off look everywhere. And at times urging the crowd to advance. Go, go, let's go, go. It's tear gas, it's tear gas. The committee has not made his name public yet, but he was identified to defense attorneys as Officer Nicholas Tomasula. We've already been able to say, confirm, yes, this was a Metropolitan Police officer. Undercover. Undercover. Who was doing what? He was, at, at one point, he was helping people climb up the scaffolding, because remember, out on the West Terrace, the scaffolding was being built for the inauguration. He was helping people get up the scaffolding and telling them, go, 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 keep going, keep going. Come on, go, go, go. Keep going, keep going. Well, according to what police told the New York Times and other reporters right after January 6th, people used that scaffolding to get to the Upper West Terrace. Right. And they defined that as a critical access point that day. So if you have an undercover police officer assisting people in climbing up there, that doesn't sound insignificant. No, it, it isn't. Now, the next question is, what was he doing? Right? Why was he telling those people to go? And so, why was he there? And and why was he there? And, and who, that's a, coup, who a key told him question. To be there? Who who put him there? Exactly. Now, could it be he's trying to get up to the top to help? Right? He's got other officers there, and so he's just telling them, "Go, go, go!" I'm trying to get up there, but you the can, fact is, when he gets up there, hmm. he doesn't help. He just turns and walks away from the Capitol. Are you investigating the possibility that instigators and other people inserted themselves in the crowd, and? Uh, and took action to provoke the crowd and to provoke the police. So they were provoking both no, sides. I mean, there was, there was definitely that there. I don't know who they are. We're looking into that. But, you know, you're talking about the great contrast. You've got the people over here that when we do have audio are saying, hey, we appreciate you guys, you know, talking to law enforcement. Yes, protesters then, in the midst of the violence saying we're on your got, side. Yeah, and then we've got other folks that have steel pipes that are, you know, beating officers with it. So when has that ever happened at a Trump rally? Never. For the congressman, it's somewhat personal. After being falsely accused of leading a surveillance mission inside the Capitol the day before January 6th, he said the truth has to get out and subpoenas may be next. That's... Whoops, sorry about that. That's pretty powerful stuff. And you need to go watch the entire show at WeThePeopleConvention.org. And, and, you know, she's, she's got incredible video. And it's, this is just the beginning, folks. Just the beginning. Okay? And so now that the $44,000 of video have been made public, the We The People Convention, us, you know, as your organization, you support, uh, is working with Congressman Jim Jordan and our partner, Catherine Engelbrecht, from True The Vote, Open Inc., to acquire the raw footage so that we can analyze it using sophisticated tools like the FBI and the DOJ have been using to frame January 6th you know, uh, defendants and, and use it instead to prove their innocence. So if you go to the Laura Logan uh, you know, website, to the page on our website where Laura Logan's video is, down below you will see our email correspondence with Congressman Jim Jordan where we're basically saying... You know, the way they're putting the video up, and you can see the video that they're putting up by going to the Mike Johnson announces the release of the videos at our website. There's a link there. They're putting up these videos just one by one with no download links. And, and it's, 
it's going to be impossible to do any analysis. The only way you can look at the video and find out what the hell actually happened on January 6th is to have the raw footage with all the metadata and the timestamps and things, okay, you know, on our servers where we can then put it together, you know, in chronological order and you will be able to follow yourself, for instance, in the crowd and see, and see what the video shows all throughout the day. And these people who we think are undercover agents who instigated a lot of the stuff, they're, they're going to be clearly exposed. And so I'm happy to say that if you go to the, you know, to the WeedPeopleConvention.org website and the Laura Logan video page, um, you'll see a link uh, where Congressman Jordan on the radio on Monday on Bob Francis Radio Show on WHK 1420, you know, the answer in, in Cleveland, his always right radio show, Jim Jordan said, I agree with you. The video is not public. I think, you know, we need to give you the raw video and he's working to try to get that done. And, and we need that. History needs that. So again, I, that's what we do. We, we understand that we have to write the history of what happened here. We cannot let the left write the history. What they have is a coup that they used this, you know, this riot that they instigated as a cover for the coup of stealing the presidency of the United States. That's the real story. That's the truth. That's what we need to make sure history shows and the people who did it are held responsible. We're not the only ones who are calling, you know, for them to be held responsible, uh, Release of more footage spurs calls for January 6th inquiry. The January 6th committee was a sham. I knew it then. Everyone knows it now. Let's investigate the investigators, Representative Troy Neal. Okay? So this is already happening where they're calling out and saying, you know, we, we need to, to investigate the investigators. And they're absolutely correct. Several House Republicans called for establishing a new House investigation on the January 6th Capitol breach after new security footage was released. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene wrote that the release of the new tapes is not enough and that there needs to be a probe for the lies, deceit, and lives ruined. The lawmakers then called on House Speaker Mike Johnson to create a new select committee. She criticized the previous Congress's January 6th panel that was chaired by Representative Jamie Radskins of Maryland and former Representative Liz Cheney of Wyoming. Every member of the January 6th committee, as well as former Speaker Nancy Pelosi, the Capitol Police, District of Columbia Police, and January 6th witnesses who lied should all be subpoenaed, Mrs. Green added on Twitter. Criminal referrals must be written and prosecutions must happen under the D Trump DOJ, she wrote over the past weekend. I've said it all along. MAGA did not do this. So I said in our beginning to those of you who are new and those who you know follow us all the time, I'm asking you after Thanksgiving holiday to contact your congressman and demand that they support the formation of a new January 6th committee to investigate the criminal January 6th committee that Nancy Pelosi put forward. This is worth your time. When she talks about you know, exposing the, the people who should be subpoenaed, okay, you know, having them, uh, you know, on the stand because they lied. There's that one officer, 
who they made a hero, who the video shows nothing he said on the stand was true. He needs to go to prison. And the person that he testified against, their, their case needs to be thrown out. They need to be released, okay? This is the fight that's going to be fought. You have a role in that fight. Your role is to tell your congressman that you want them to open this investigation. And I'll go back, way back, where we push, uh, you know, former Speaker McCarthy and, and Jim Jordan and said, we want you to bring January 6th prisoners on the stand in Congress so America can hear the atrocities that have been committed against these men and women. 99% of Americans don't know what our government has done in, in our name to these patriots, to these people. It's got to come out. It's our job to direct our representatives how, what we want them to do. That's the first ask of this show. Call your congressman this coming week and make it clear you support this. But I want you to understand we are winning the narrative. That is the goal. That's why you watch this show. That's why you tell the truth all the time. That's why you share things from our podcast with other people. It's about winning the narrative. They're, they've already lost it. Nobody in America believes it was an insurrection. It's like 68% of Americans don't believe it's an insurrection. Even half the Democrats believe that Joe Biden didn't win the election because we control the narrative and you got to keep doing it. So here's evidence of that. We always bring the receipts. Why the New York Times January 6th U-turn is a big deal. And it is a big deal. Is the New York Times going soft on the January 6th rioters? Maybe uh, beginning to doubt its lopsided coverage of the events of that day? Starting to think that the Justice Department's investigation into the protests deemed the biggest criminal inquiry in the Justice Department's 153-year history is just a bit over the top? You think? Maybe they're thinking that? Or is the Times worried that newly released footage will reveal a different story than that told by the biased House investigation used to impeach former President Trump? Thanks to Mike Johnson's, Americans uh, have an opportunity to challenge Democrat accusations that many hundreds of Donald Trump supporters engaged in a violent insurrection. The new Republican Speaker of the House recently released 44,000 hours of videotapes, including, including security video from Capitol Hill Police, affording us another look at what actually happened that day. This we know, 63 days after the election of 2020, supporters of Donald Trump came to the Capitol you know, to, de to demand that they recount the election. Some got cut up in the moment, stayed clear of the violence that followed, but were later hunted down and imprisoned. One such participant is the subject of a lengthy and compassionate story published by the Times just two days after the release of the new video, okay? It's, it's just shows you that the, the media is going to have a problem because, again, we just, Tucker Carlson, we start off, it's about the truth. They've lied for you, to you, to the American people since Barack Obama was a lesson, at least, Okay. And they have no credibility. That's why their, their viewership is in the crapper, folks. We've done story after story. Why? Because they lied. You can't accept lies. You need the truth. So what are they trying to do? They're going to try to write stories that are more in line with the truth and then claim, see, we told the truth. 
Ain't going to work. Not going to work. They're done. They're done. All of them are done. Okay. So, you know, lots more to come. And, and I, I will keep you posted about, you know, the video that, you know, we, you know, we're trying to get the raw footage. And, and hopefully that's going to happen quickly because, you know, it's going to take a lot of time to do the analysis we want to do. But let's move on to, you know, other things. And, you know, obviously big things, the, you know, the, the Israeli, you know, uh, has, uh, Israeli Hamas war, okay, and, and the war in Ukraine. This is breaking Americans left behind in first round of hostage release from Gaza. So the story is that, you know, the Biden administration and the Israelis were negotiating for the release of hostages. And uh, 13 Israeli hostages were released by Hamas from the Gaza Strip Friday in round one of a broader four-day ceasefire. As part of the deal, Israel released a number of women and male teenagers convicted of violent terrorism crimes, including attempted murder from their prisons in exchange for the hostages. Now, so just to put this in perspective, and why did I put the headline, Americans left behind in first round? It looks like there's going to be a total of 50 of the 240 known hostages released, okay? And what Israelis are doing, and they do this, they, this is their common practice, which you know to us seems absurd, but they do are doing a six to one release. They're going to release three hundred terrorists. People, it said right here, right, convicted of violent terrorism crimes, including attempted murder. They're going to re release three hundred known terrorists to get 50, 50 hostages released. None are Americans. Thirteen are Somalis. Okay. Now, why is this important to you? Well, because it shows the weakness of the United States. Do you think that there would be American hostages? In other words, of the uh, there's supposedly, you know, of the 240 hostages, there are like 35 that are American citizens. Now, they may have dual Israeli US citizenship, okay? So, I mean, I know that blurs the picture a little bit. But do you think that maybe some of them would have been released if Joe Biden hadn't given the $6 billion to Iran and said, you're not getting it unless they're released? Do you think, we read in the story last week, that Joe Biden released $10 billion in electric, electricity credits to Iran to use? You think American hostages would have been part of the first group if we denied that? You're damn straight. You're damn straight. Watch what's going on. This shows weakness. And man, they love to take advantage of your weakness. So there'll be more hostages released. We'll see, okay, how many of them are Americans. But that's what you need to be watching. There's news this you know, weekend. Oh, that Germany and the U.S. have a secret plan. Get this. A secret plan to scale back Ukrainian arms so that they have to uh, sue for peace with Russia. And it ain't a secret plan. It's that the American and German people are saying, what the hell are you doing with this thing? Stop the damn war. It's going badly in Ukraine. As Trump said, when they said, what would you do with the war in Ukraine? And he said, the first thing I'd do is stop the killing. Good idea. How come it's taken years for the Biden clowns and the, the, the leftists in Germany to come to the same conclusion? And then, you know, the, the big threat is China. 
And, and, you know, those of you who are new to this podcast, it's real simple. The flag is flying upside down, and you can go to wethepeopleconvention.org and search on upside down flag and see an article about why it's upside down and see a video that's only eight minutes long with Gordon Chang telling you that we are under attack from China. They want to rule the world. All that's happening in our country, the trans movement, gay marriage, all that was paid for and instigated by the communist Chinese. The open borders, thousands of, of communist Chinese military age men are coming across that border. You think they're here to sightsee? So here's a story you need to be aware of. This is significant. U.S. loses military dominance over China and key area with profound implications predicted. Folks, it's about our submarines. It's about us losing our advantage in nuclear submarines. A new report says longstanding American superiority over China is eroding in the war zone beneath the waves. Chinese technology has resulted in new Chinese submarines becoming harder to detect as it improves its ability to sniff out enemy submarines, according to the Wall Street Journal, okay? According to the Wall Street Journal. The bottom line is, according to the journal, is that the era of unchallenged dominance of the U.S. under the seas around China is ending because we're allowing it to end, because we're weak, because the Chinese infiltrated our government, okay? You doubt that? Go to WeThePeopleConvention.org, search on Democrats China, and you'll see a massive webpage with links to everyone in the Biden administration is getting money from the communist Chinese, from Kamala Harris's husband to uh, Cory Booker to Nancy Pelosi. They're all bought and paid for, including Mitch McConnell, the Republican minority leader in the Senate. $26 million he got. And a Chinese wife. Yeah, nothing to see here. Okay? So... Christopher Carlson, a former Navy officer, said more aircraft and submarines will be required to keep up. The implications for the U.S. and our Pacific allies will be profound. Although the journal report says that submarine for submarine, China's fleet will not match the individual capability of what the U.S. can deploy, China is producing more and more submarines while the U.S. is struggling, okay? Uh, Earlier this year, China put to sea a nuclear-powered attack submarine with pump jet propulsion systems instead of a propeller. It was the first time noise-reducing technology used on the latest American submarines had been seen on a Chinese submarine. Okay, this is serious, folks. They intend to rule over you and me and America. We have to stop them. They're not going to stop themselves. That's the truth. They aren't spending this money when their economy is kind of tanking. Okay, they're struggling in their economy. They're still pouring more and more money into the military. Why? Because they're not going to use it? Come on. Wake the hell up. That's why the flag's upside down. Go watch the video. Serious stuff. So what are we doing? Well, again, we got to win next year, right? We got to win next year. I'm going to have some stories about how that's going. But this is important too. House Judiciary subpoenas prosecutor and Hunter Biden probe. All of you are saying, okay, we got to impeach Biden. You know, we got to impeach Mararkis, got to impeach Ray. We got to do all this stuff. And we keep saying, you got to gather the, in, the evidence. This story 
I think is really important because this is the person who's responsible for the cover-up of Joe and Hunter Biden and the Biden crime family. This one woman, she's going to be pleading the fifth, I predict. House Republicans subpoenaed Leslie Wolf, a deputy to the special counsel investigating Hunter Biden on Tuesday. The House Judiciary Committee subpoena follows a series of refusals by the Department of Justice to secure voluntary testimony from Mrs. Wolf, Miss Wolf, who played a pivotal role in the inquiry, which whistleblowers alleged was slow walked by prosecutors. According to a letter accompanying the subpoena from the House Judiciary Chairman, Jim Jordan of Ohio sent to Miss Wolf on Tuesday, she possessed firsthand knowledge of Hunter Biden's case and was extensively involved in meetings held at U.S. Attorney for Delaware David Weiss's office throughout the probe. The House investigation is uh, is investigating whether President Trump leveraged his authority to obstruct probes into his son, which forms a part of their inquiry into whether there are sufficient grounds to draft articles in impeachment. So in other words, it's, you know, what the Biden crime family did influence peddling, selling, you know, secrets to our foreign adversaries, and all those are crimes that he can be impeached with, but also using the presidency to get DOJ officials to cover for him would be another nail in the coffin. The committee's interest in Ms. Wolf's testimony is rooted in allegations that she deviated from standard investigator procedures as testified by two IRS whistleblowers to the White House, uh, House Ways and Means Committee. Information available to, you, to the committee suggests that you, Ms. Wolf, either directly or by instructions from others, are responsible for many of the decisions to deviate from the standard investigative protocol during the department's investigation of Hunter Biden. The defense counsel, uh, you know, the, the deviation included alleged actions, you know, we know these are true, such as tipping off Hunter Biden's defense counsel about a potential search warrant for his st storage unit, Whistleblowers testified to that and objecting to federal investigators executing the, the warrant later. This woman was the one who stood in the way. She's going to be on the stand, going to be very interesting testimony, okay? Because they got the goods. She did it. Now we're going to find out whether she throws some other people in the bus or pleads the fifth. Either way, Miss Wolf, you need to go to jail. You're a traitor. You are, you literally, not only did you violate your oath to uphold the, the Constitution, you, you're a traitor. You helped protect a person who was selling secrets to our enemies. You, you got to go to prison at least. And another major development that's going on as far as, you know, the, the 2024, this is all about us re restoring, about us taking back control of our government and throwing the people out who stole it, okay? Well, you know there's a lot of controversy when Vivek Ramaswamy said in the last debate that RNC chairman Ronald McDaniel should resign. Well, Trump, for the first time, sent a signal this week that he may be done with her. And that's a big deal because he's been protecting her. Why? I don't know. But in a true social post made Monday, front GOP frontrunner Donald Trump called for the Republican National Committee to cease the primary debates, and spend that money to take down the Democrats in the fast-approaching election. Trump noted a Harvard-Harris poll released the same day, which found Trump to be 58 points ahead of the nearest competitor, Florida's Ron DeSantis, and ahead of Joe Biden by six points. Trump said, quote, RNC must save money on lowest-ever-rating debates. 
Use it against the Democrats to stop this deal. If not, revamp the RNC now, Trump added. All right? So I can tell you that I had phone calls this week that there is an effort. Charlie Kirk is very big in this. Steve Bannon to make a run at replacing Ronna McDaniel in January at the RNC meeting. And the way that has to happen is that the the each state has two, a man and a woman, national committee chairperson who goes to this meeting and votes, whether it's Ronna McDaniel or someone else. And I know here in Ohio, there are efforts being made to replace the two who voted for Ronna McDaniel this summer. And I think that's happening in other states as well, based on what I've been told. And so there's going to be a fight. Well, if Trump doesn't support her, I don't see how she can win. But here's my question. Who are they going to replace her with? Last summer, they brought Harmy Dillon in as the replacement. Now, we, full disclosure, we the People Convention, Tom and Nan Zawistowski have given money to Harmy Dillon because her legal team, her law firm, has been representing you know, in, during COVID, men and women who lost their jobs, churches that got closed by the state. And so we've donated her. We like Harmony Dillon. She's a lawyer. She's never run a campaign in her life. She does, she, what does she know about defeating the Democrats' ground game? And so I, I criticized Charlie Kirk when they got behind Harmony Dillon. And now I'm saying to them, and I will correspond with them and say, Find someone like maybe like Lee Zeldin, though I understand he's already taken another job. Someone who can who has run a campaign and knows what it takes to beat the Democrats. That's what we're asking of the RNC, and we're not getting it. Now, Ronna McDaniel says that's not our job. Literally, her job is to raise money and stuff. But guess what? They're not raising any money. All the big fat cats are giving their money to the Democrats, and Trump is raising money from you and I. So what's the point? What's the point of the RNC? Well, if we're going to win, we need to get all our forces focused on what? Turning out our vote and winning and making sure there's no cheating. That's what we're asking her to do. She's not going to do it. She's got to be replaced. So stay tuned to that. That's coming in January. This, in that same vein, was a big decision by a court. Judge finds electronic Georgia voting machines have substantial flaws. Judge rules the electronic voting machines in Georgia you know, uh, have substantial flaws, and that is no conspiracy theory after testimony by leading experts. Uh, not only will the lawsuit against the state of Georgia regarding its election security measures go forward, but a judge said in her ruling that the evidence does not suggest that the planets are conspiracy theorists in, uh, of any variety. The only way to make that better would be if the judge was appointed Barack Obama, and she was. Judge Amy Totenberg was uh, appointed by Barack Obama years ago. The court cannot wave a magic wand in this case and address the varied challenges to our democracy and election systems in recent years, including those presented in this case, the judge says, meaning she can't go back and overthrow or overturn elections. What she's saying is that there's serious problems with these voting machines, and, and they've proven it. However, in her ruling, the judge said the plaintiff's questioning of the cybersecurity and reliability issues surrounding the use of the relevant electronic voting systems and the auditing of such systems and voting results wasn't just a territory of kooks. The court notes that the re record 
evidence does not suggest that the plaintiffs are conspiracy theorists in any variety. A footnote to Tolberg's ruling read, Indeed, some of the nation's leading cybersecurity experts and computer scientists have provided testimony and affidavits on behalf of the plaintiff's case in the long course of this litigation. Conservative activists celebrated the ruling on social media, media particularly Mike Lindell, you know, who's been the one you're really saying, we got to look at these damn machines. And we're finally doing it. Because again, the theme of this show always tell the truth the machines are compromised that's the truth this ruling is a step towards that and then one of our members sent this to me and i i'm so thankful i did not know about this and i want you to know about it this is a guy named harry howry harry h-a-u-r-y harry and his last name is h-a-u-r-y and he's from this group called United Sovereign Americans. He is on a podcast that I posted was one of the four things I wanted you to watch this weekend. David Clements from Conservative Daily interviews United Sovereign American Chairman Harry Howery about their group's ongoing efforts to secure the U.S. elections for 2024. Howery gives an informative recap of what is wrong with the systems used to make U.S. elections secure and accurate and what his group is actively doing to make sure that federal and state laws are followed in the 2024 elections. During this interview, you will learn many important facts that are not being reported elsewhere and will give you some confidence that the 2024 elections may be one of the most secure and accurate in a long time because of the actions of patriotic Americans to make it so and primarily to use the law to make it so. And you can get involved with this group. Okay, so I have the links. The video is there. This is about, I think it's about a 45-minute interview. This guy, Harry Harry, wow. He he was in touch with everybody. Sidney Powell, uh, Catherine Engelbrecht, you know, all the, all the various states' cases. He tells you stuff here that's just freaking amazing, okay, of what they know about votes that were just clearly fraudulent, particularly in New York State. And and you're going to really get a lot out of this, particularly something that Catherine Engelbrecht told me about and I told you about quite a few months ago, where she says one of the keys to securing this election is the fact that Barack Obama, when he was walking out the door, signed an executive order that's still in place that makes voting systems part of the national security infrastructure. And because of that, there's this whole list of things that might have criteria for security that must be met by the voting systems. They weren't met in 2020 or 2022, okay? And this group and Catherine Engelbrecht's group, True the Vote, is going to go to court before the elections, and have judges demand that your voting system in your county prove it meets these security national security guidelines. Folks, it's going to have a huge impact. But there's way more. Th- this guy, wow, is he smart? He talks about his background in the banking industry and how a lot of voter integrity is based on how they, they make sure checks are real and stuff. Got to watch it, folks. Really worth your time. So you know, got the Laura Logan you know piece, got the Tucker Carlson piece, and now we've got this Harry Howry case you know piece. Three things for you to watch. I got one more at the second half of the podcast, but all really good stuff. 
and better than most of the football games you're going to watch. But not quite as good as the, the turkey leftovers. I got to admit that. Okay, so eat your turkey leftovers while you're watching the videos. All right, we're going to take a short break uh, uh, and then come back for the second half of the podcast. You've been watching the We the People Convention News and Opinion Podcast, and my name is Tom Zawastowski. The We the People Convention News and Opinion Radio Program is paid for by donors like you. You can donate to the We the People Convention and support our cause by going to wethepeopleconvention.org or by sending your check in any amount to We the People Convention, P.O. Box 6211, Akron, Ohio, 44312. When you're playing a video, including our podcast, you'll see this little cloud button and if you click it, it'll actually download the, po- the video to your hard disk. And this works on our podcast page as well. If, you, if you're playing our podcast, and it's going to be loud, so I won't play it for much, but there's our podcast playing, and you can see this little you know, download button. Okay. The other thing you've got to notice on our podcast page is that there's a link here where you can send me a message about this podcast. Hey, it was great. Hey, I didn't like it. What, you know, something was wrong or here's a correction, that kind of thing. You can use that link. And then these are the stories that I covered in this particular podcast. And you'll see there's links that go to the stories that to the articles that I used in reporting on that. So you can, you can click on that. Um, you'll also see that um, you can sign up for our emails and text messages, but you can also watch our podcast on Roku TV and on Amazon Fire TV. And these are the instructions for doing that. So this is all on our, our podcast page, right? Right on the front page where the yellow button was. So if you click there, you know, this is our podcast page. These are the instructions for watching on Roku TV or Amazon Fire. And I watch our podcast on TV. It just feels more comfortable. Uh, so you can do that. We're also on Rumble. Uh, if you go to Rumble, uh, you should join Rumble. Uh, and, you know, it's Tom Z at WTPC. You'll see our podcast there. So you can get us a lot of different ways, including on Apple iTunes. And then this is an audio uh, version of our podcast. If you click here, it'll just play the audio of the podcast. It will not, uh, you know, uh, you know, show you the video. So people can, you know, listen to that while they're jogging or, you know, working out, working in the yard or just relaxing and just want to listen to the audio and not watch the video. And again, this is available on phone, on your iPad, on your laptop, on your computer, any way you want. And you can share, you know, this, this, you know, whatever you see, if you're on a page that you, you know, you really like and you know, you see an article that you think, geez, I've got to share this article, you know, with uh, someone in my family. You can send them an email by clicking on the little envelope. You can uh, post it on Parler or MeWe. If you click on this, you get all kinds of options, you know, where you can put it on Twitter or Facebook, whatever, which we don't support, but uh, you can do whatever you want. So, so we ask that you share what uh, you see on our We the People Convention site and that um, you get more people to look at it because uh, that's the whole idea here, to help uh, educate people, inform them. And then, as I said uh, before, Link, we're not just about talk, we're about action. And in my podcast every week, uh, which is published every Saturday, so if you, you know, the new podcast usually comes out every Saturday. And in that podcast, I will ask you to do certain things that will help protect and defend your individual freedom, liberty, and prosperity. 
So that's the We The People Convention website. Come back often, use it uh, to be informed, be informed, and uh, share it with others. Thanks a lot. All right, and we're so glad you're with us. And and you know the three things that, as a member of the We The People Convention, that you need to do is you need to get others to watch the podcast and come to the website. You need to act on the things we ask you to do. I've only made one ask so far. That is to get your congressman to call them. And remember, Tucker Carlson said, you know, you're going to you know, send a letter to your congressman. They won't read it. But he said, you still should do it. No, believe me, make the phone calls, emails. They're getting the message. I asked you to call your congressman this week and say, we want you to support and tell Speaker uh, um, Johnson that we want a new January 6th committee to investigate the corruption of the original January 6th committee. So that's an ask. And then the third thing is we ask you to give if you can give. It's, I mean, we're, we're totally donor supported. And, and so if you have the ability to donate, please go to wethepeopleconvention.org and click on the donate link. Okay. Now, a couple corrections in there. One, we are on Twitter. And Twitter has been, you know, free of censorship. And last week, I actually posted our whole podcast on Twitter and got some interesting response from that. So support us there. Number two, um, you know, we do, uh, I want to remind you of our We The People Convention phone app. It's not mentioned in that, in that little uh, commercial, but, you know, I need you to donate, or not donate, download the We The People Convention phone app so that you can get our messages without any cost to us. Uh, okay, so you go to your Apple store or your Google Play store, look for WTPC space convention. That's how they have our app listed for some reason. Just download it and install it. You can read everything, watch the videos just like you do on the website, but I can then message you and we don't have to pay what we have to pay for your texts and emails. Okay, so that's really important. Two other things. Uh, I, we announced and unveiled just a, a couple weeks ago that we have this new chapters video player. That doesn't, it takes a, almost a day for them to take our video of this podcast and then process it. And then I get a player that I can post where you can jump to each story. And unlike the links where you go to the, the news story, the website where that story came from, you can jump right to the video of that story by just clicking on the links in this, this called a video chapters player. People are loving that. Be sure you use that. And then we did something else. We have those links to all the stories. And now we're starting to make a, um, a copy of those each week so that you can go back several weeks and find a story that you remember hearing about, but you wanted to read again. And that's below the links of the stories for this week. You'll see an archive uh, link that gives you a PDF of all the stories you can click on. So we're really working hard to do good things for you, and we sure appreciate your suggestions, and we do listen to them. So let's get on with more important news. I, you know I've been trying to bring you guys all along with artificial intelligence. I know that everybody's not technical. I know it's kind of scary and kind of confusing, and it should be, should be, okay? And I did put that video, if you haven't watched it yet, Again, I keep telling you things you can watch on Thanksgiving weekend. Go to the video section and look through it, and you're going to see the, this video about the problems with artificial intelligence. That is a really a beginner's thing that will help you understand. Today, I want to talk to you about something that happened this week that was really important. Now, this guy, if you're not on a video, if you're on audio, his name is Sam Altman. He is one of the founders of OpenAI, which was supposed to be a nonprofit 
uh, corporation that's now kind of a for-profit converse, uh, a, a company developing AI. And, and Elon Musk was with them in the beginning, and then he left. San Altman is kind of the the face of artificial intelligence. He's the guy that was, you know, head of the team that brought out ChatGPT, which kind of changed the world this year. Okay, when you start to see these these language models that could help you rewrite an essay, write a TV commercial, you know, help you with your business plan, you know, that that's what he did. He was fired this last Friday by OpenAI the company he helped found by the board of directors. And it caused this huge uproar. Like, what the heck? This is like the top guy. You fired him. And in the firing notice, the board of directors had a statement that said because he was less than uh, open or, or, you know, telling the truth to the board. And everybody focused on us and what the hell was going on with that? So it went through this whole thing where he got fired. Microsoft, who owns 50% of OpenAI, hired him. The the workers at OpenAI, like 700 employees, said they would quit if they didn't bring Altman back. Then Altman ended up going back, and the board got fired. The board that fired him got fired. And then this letter came out this just Friday, just yesterday, that said the reason that he was fired was that OpenAI had recently made a huge breakthrough that a letter was sent to the board suggesting that this breakthrough that OpenAI had achieved artificial general intelligence, AGI, okay? Or okay, and that this was a threat to humanity. Whoa, what? Okay. So people at OpenAI, researchers, sent the board a letter saying that this thing called QSTAR, a project in OpenAI, had achieved artificial general intelligence and that Sam Altman hadn't told the board. And that's why they fired him, because obviously the board thinks that's a pretty big deal. So what does that mean to you? What is, what is this about? Artificial general intelligence means that these computers would finally have achieved the equivalent of intelligence with the average human. Now, all that you've seen up to now, chat GTP, were all what are called large language learning models. They basically have read every word on the internet, every book that's in digital form, and they're good at predicting what words go together based on statistics and analysis. And so they can do things like you can put in a sentence, you know, write a 500-word story about a bear getting lost in the woods and saved by a little child. And it'll write a very intelligent 500-word thing. But that's not like human intelligence. Human intelligence is more like mathematics. Because in mathematics, certain numbers don't follow certain numbers. You got to understand concepts. You got to understand mathematics. And apparently, this Q star program achieved the mathematical ability of like a seven year old. And that's the hidden story. And now 
That means we're entering a whole new level, folks, a whole new level. And so the question was, was the nonprofit board, see, there were a for-profit company that started out as nonprofit, but the board was still nonprofit people who were really concerned about the threat of artificial general intelligence, okay, AGI. And that's why they were upset when this came out. But the people who are running it now are for-profit. And they see how much money can be made if you take this next step. Remember this guy's name, Sam Altman. He's a key player in our future, the future of the world. Something big happened this week, and we're going to see how that manifests itself as we go forward. Speaking of Elon Musk, he also did something very big this week. Elon Musk, who owns, who bought X for a gross overpricing of like $44 billion, right? This guy uh, is being attacked by the left. Because what can they not have? They cannot have the truth. They had to censor you about COVID, about the election, about the war in Ukraine, about everything. And when they control Facebook, Google, Instagram, uh, you know, and Twitter, they could sh control the narrative. And so when Musk bought Twitter, that was incredibly damaging to them and dangerous, Okay. And so they're attacking him. And he has said, I've had enough, damn it. And he's going to fight back. And so this is why this is important, because it affects your ability to get real news, to get the truth. Media Matters use, has used lies and illegal actions to prevent conservative media from getting the advertising dollars they need to thrive for decades. Now Elon Musk is fighting back. The left-wing media watchdog group, Media Matters for America, has, has a sordid record of not only publishing absurd fact checks, but of bullying businesses that dare to advertise on conservative outlets or even platforms they don't approve, but they don't approve of, meaning Media Matters. And Elon Musk has had enough. At 2 a.m. Eastern Time on Saturday, Musk threatened, that was last Saturday, Musk threatened to file a thermal nuclear lawsuit against Media Matters. The split-second court opens on Monday. X-Corp will be filing a thermal nuclear lawsuit against Media Matters and all those who colluded in this fraudulent attack on our company must wrote on X slash Twitter. This week, Media Matters for America posted a story that completely misrepresents the real user experience on X in another attempt to undermine freedom of speech and mislead advertisers. About Above everything, including profit, X works to protect the public's right to free speech. But for speech to truly be free, we must also have the freedom to see or hear things that some people may consider objectionable. That's the point of free speech. It's got to be free, right? Um, despite our clear and consistent position, X has seen a number of of attacks from activist groups like Media Matters and legacy media outlets who seek to undermine freedom of expression on our platform because they perceive it as a threat to their ideological narrative and those of their financial supporters. These gripes groups try to use their influence to attack our revenue stream by deceiving advertisers and acts, Musk said. He clarified in a subsequent post that the lawsuit will give immediate matters. He will target their board, their donors, their network of dark money, all of them. On Friday, Media Matters had published what triggered all this 
was on Friday, Media Matters published a report accusing X slash Twitter of placing ads for brands like Amazon, Comcast, NBA, um, NBC Universal, and others next to content from white nationalist hashtags prompting an exodus of advertisers. But the research used by Media Matters was completely contrived. Michael Snellenberger wrote, and he's the guy you know who's been really big on the fraud of the whole climate you know issue and stuff. And he has a um, a Substack uh, uh, place called Public where he posts really good stories. If you want truth, go to Substack and look up Public uh, for uh, Michael Snellenberger. And he wrote the the media say X is placing Apple, IBM, and other ads near pro Nazi content, but it's not. We tried various ways to replicate Media Matters research and couldn't. The real goal of Media Matters isn't to fight anti-Semitism. It's to destroy X as a free public speech platform. That's correct. These people are evil. It costs money to go after them. I mean, folks, you know, Bill O'Reilly had an update. You know, he does his updates on, here on the radio. You can also hear him on, uh, uh, you know, his, uh, on YouTube and on other places. And he said that Media Matters came after him for decades. They came after Glenn Beck. They go after the Gateway Pundit. Elon Musk is going to war. That is important to you and me because it will finally allow conservative media to get the advertising they deserve for the audience they have. Do you understand? This is just another method by the left to censor you. And you got to fight back. And it's great to have Elon Musk fight back. He's not perfect. He makes mistakes. I don't like everything he does. But he, when he's fighting for us, you got to appreciate that. And I do. So that is in you know contr contrast to this. Trump Media Group. Here's another example hits 20 media outlets with $1.5 billion lawsuit. Now, I've talked to you about the fact that Trump Media had been trying to do this merger so they could become big, like Twitter, for like two years. And the SEC and the Biden administration were trying to stop them and, and throwing all these obstacles in their place and stuff. But it's even worse. Listen to this. Former President Trump's, uh, Donald Trump's media company filed a lawsuit Monday against 20 media outlets, accusing them of conspiring to attack the company and sabotage some of its business opportunities. The lawsuit alleges an unprecedented and seemingly coordinated media campaign aimed at promulgating the claim, which the lawsuit calls false, that Trump Media and Technology Group and True Social had lost $73 million. According to the suit, that report was the very exemplar of fake news. This number was an utter fabrication, the suit said. Each defendant, in apparent coordination, and that's what they do, reported the exact same false number within approximately 24 hours of one another, each citing uh, to a Public Securities Exchange Commission filing in which the mystery 73 million loss appears nowhere. So they said it was reported in the Securities and Exchange filing that they lost $73 million, but it's not in the filing, okay? The media outlets named in the suit include Reuters, The Hollywood Reporter, The Miami Herald, The Hill, Deadline, Market Watch, Benzinga, Forbes, Axios, The Daily Beast, The Guardian, Salon, uh, Gixmodo, CNBC, MSNBC, Newsweek, The Daily, New York Daily News, Mediate, and the UK's Daily Mail. 
Go get them, President Trump. Go get them. $1.5 billion? You bet. Because this all happened right when, and I told you last week, that the merger was going through. That the merger with, uh, what's the name of it? The, the, be, between Trump Media Group and Digital World Acquisition Corporation, which had announced its intention to merge with Trump's company two years ago in October 21, that was finally happening, and they came out with this hit piece to do what? To stop it. That's criminal. They must pay. That's how you fight back. You tell the truth. Good job. So this is what we're fighting. This is the left. They cannot survive if they can't tell their lies. Democrat governors announces state has ramped up social media surveillance efforts and will reach out to violators, meaning she's going to try to intimidate them. New York Democratic Governor Kathy Hochul has pledged to launch a massive surveillance program to attack those on social media and online who she claims are perpetrating hate crimes and will also reach out to supposed violators who dare to indulge their American right to free speech in the Empire State. Hochul recently released the details of her plan to root out hate online for the safety and well-being of all New Yorkers and is issuing her excuse the current wave anti-Semitism coming mostly among people from her own party in the wake of the inhuman terror attacks by Palestinian terrorists in southern Israel on October 7th as the reason she needs to do this. She's going to give $700,000 to the New York State Police to look at your social media posts and decide what is what is misinformation and disinformation. That's what tyrants do, folks. That's what banana republics do. That's what you do in third world countries. So here's the tyrant speaking for herself. Listen, can't be any clearer. TikTok and other social media companies, they must start to regulate vile hate speech that originates on their platforms. They say they do this, but it's a responsibility they've obviously neglected to uphold. That's why I've called out the leadership of every major social media company to express not just my indignation, but to demand that they take concrete action to reduce the sickening hate that is being spread on their sites. They need better oversight, they need larger moderation teams, and greater transparency. And I told them that in a letter that I'll be releasing to all of them today. So, I'm expecting a response. I'm expecting a response from all of them. Okay, so that is wrong. That is not the truth. Those are lies, okay? You in New York need to say that to everyone. Listen, here's the thing that's just completely out of whack that everyone has forgotten. When you had broadcast media, when we, I'm old enough, many of you watching are old enough, but you young people, you have to take our word for it. Many of you remember when we had two networks, okay? When there was very little choice in media and when you broadcast information, there was no other source of that. And so you kind of were subject to things that you weren't really looking for or couldn't trust or verify. What is wrong about this whole crap about Facebook and Google and, and Instagram and, and TikTok and, and uh, you know, Twitter 
should moderate, should look for hate speech, should stop it from going on. Makes no sense. Because here's the point. If you don't like what I post on Twitter, it's real simple. You don't have to go there. I'm not forcing that. I'm not bringing that into your home on your TV or radio or your newspaper without your, your agreeing to it. You may get exposed to me one time and you can block me on all these platforms. So why do they, the platform, have to regulate my speech? You regulate my speech, just like you do when we have a conversation. When I said to you, when Tucker Carlson says to you in his video, speak the truth always, and you may hurt some people's feelings, and, you, and it may be uh, uncomfortable. Well, if you are talking to someone who thinks babies should be able to be aborted up till the time of birth, and you say, I don't think so, they may be offended, but they can just stop talking to you and never talk to you again. You don't need the government, you don't need Kathy Hochul, the governor of New York, to come in and say, you're not allowed to say that. That's not free speech. That's tyranny. That's what they need, because they can't allow you to say what you really think. And that's what Tucker Carlson said makes you a freaking slave, right? That's where this is dangerous. Hochul, all of them, got to go. New York, you almost elected Lee Zeldin. You probably did if you watch the uh, video that I talked about with the, uh, that Harry Howery guy. He talks about New York. Lee Zeldin probably won. These tyrants are trying to silence you. Elon Musk is standing up. Donald Trump is standing up. You and I must stand up. Always reject this. It's outrageous, and we just have to keep fighting. And here's another example. You know, again, they're using lawfare, and they're using economic warfare. And we showed how, you know, how they're trying to stop X by driving away their advertisers, right? They're trying to stop Trump by getting rid of his investors. Well, here's, here's the case. Many of you have been following that ever since we, the people, elected Donald Trump mainly, and in large part, not mainly, in large part on the basis that he was going to appoint conservatives to the U.S. Supreme Court, and he did, and it has made a huge difference. What has happened? The left has gone crazy. They want to expand the court. They want to get Clarence Thomas thrown off the court. They're, they want to bring, uh, uh, they want to have the Supreme Court uh, leaders, Supreme Court members, brought to the justices, brought to Congress to be interrogated by lefties about a trip they took or some uh, rich guy like Joe Biden's out on Martha's Vineyard today as I'm speaking to you, living at some rich guy's house. That's okay. But if Clarence Thomas went to stay at some rich guy's house on a vacation, he should be thrown off the court. Well, how did this happen? Well, it happened intentionally. Nonprofit organizations managed by liberal dark money consulting firm Arabella Advisors gave millions of dollars to, quote, nonpartisan Supreme Court watchdogs, new documents show, after a campaign was launched earlier this year targeting conservative Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas and Samuel Alito for not fully disclosing their finances. Former Clinton appointee Eric Kessler founded Arabella Advisors in 2005 and its subsidiaries, including the 1630 Fund and Hopeful Fund, the New Venture Fund, the Windward Fund, and the North Fund. 
Common Cause, which has heavily criticized Alito and Thomas and is pushing the Supreme Court to pass a code of conduct, received nearly half a million dollars in 2022 from three of the Arabella Advisors subsidiaries, according to tax forms the Washington Examiner reported Monday. In addition, 490000 given to the Common Cause by the three subsidiaries last year and the group's charity arm uh, received $780,000 from Arabella affiliates last year. They're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to make a campaign to make you think that Clarence Thomas is a crook, right? They've only been after Clarence Thomas since the day he was nominated to the Supreme Court with lies. It's not an accident, and it's not the truth, and we got to keep fighting back, and we're winning, and here's some proof. Report, CNBC eliminates climate deaths, no more dedicated staff covering climate change. You got to love this, folks, because the biggest hoax in the last 25 years has been the melting of the polar ice caps and Al Gore, and you only have 12 years to save the planet or it's over. Horse hockey, bullcrap. CNBC has reportedly shut down its climate desk and will no longer have dedicated journals covering climate change. The Comcast-owned business news cable network hasn't publicly commented on the decision, which was first reported by Bloomberg uh, Green journalist uh, Ascot Rati. Rati cited a LinkedIn post by recently laid off NBC climate innovation and technology reporter Catherine Clifford, who recounted a conversation she had with her editor's boss as part of a wider newsroom headcount reduction, there will no longer be any staff at CNBC dedicated to covering climate, the boss said. Clifford wrote, the climate test was being dismantled and my position covering climate tech and and innovation was being eliminated, the boss told me. Yay! Yay! So guess what? That's the group that produces the propaganda that says, oh, green energy is the best thing and coal and natural gas and nuclear are all bad. They just lost their jobs. Yay! Something to be thankful for on Thanksgiving, right? Something to be thankful for. Here's something else to be thankful for. Because you, you got to love this guy. You got to go. Anti-socialist Javier Milley is elected president of Argentina. I put this out in an email to you guys and said this is important. And you say, well, you know, like, why is this important? Okay. Anti-socialist Libertarian Party candidate Javier Milley has, has swept to victory in Argentina's presidential election. Argentina is poured into the streets to celebrate the win. Populist Milley's election opponent, Economy Minister Sergio Massa, conceded, saying, the results are not what we expected. If Milley breaks the typical political mold and lives up to his promises, this could be a positive thing for Argentina, which used to be prosperous and then went socialist, went woke and went broke, Okay, which has been a socialist mess for years. No wonder Argentinians are celebrating in the streets. Modern leftist media is freaking out. Naturally, not only because Milley emphasized the importance of the culture war and bashed leftism, but because he has has peripherally made positive comments about Donald Trump. So all the media with Trump's derangement syndrome is going crazy about this guy winning this election. There's a clip on our website, on this page, and in the clip it's translated because he speaks... uh, I don't know the language they speak in Argentina. I guess Spanish. In in the clip, per translation, Millie says, you can't give shit leftards an inch. All collectivists, he went on. If you give them an inch, they will use it to destroy you. You can't negotiate with leftards. 
He pointed out, this guy's the president of Argentina. He pointed out that leftists will protect their own even when they're, for example, wife beaters or molesters. But if you're on on their side, if you're on the other side, they will ruin you, he said, emphasizing the double standards. Milley called it a good thing that the left's unrealistic standard of perfection for their opponents does cause right-leaning individuals to live up to a higher standard and announce, we are crushing them in the culture battle. We're not only superior economically, we are morally superior. Let's hope Argentina's, as for Argentina's sake, that this guy is real. So guess what? Trump announced yesterday he's going to Argentina to meet this guy. Will that set him off or what? And I said, so why is this important? You guys were like, why did you put that on the website, Tom? What, you know, what do we care about Argentina? Brexit. Brexit. Remember, the rejection of the British people of the EU and their leftist, woke, bullcrap policies preceded Donald Trump's election in 2016. And then what happened? Well, the left fought back, right? They stole our election. They stole other elections. They attacked anybody who stood up to them. And Brexit, they just sandbagged it, right? It's kind of just hanging in there. It's not really been implemented. But what's happening? We're winning. We're pushing through it. We're going to reelect Donald J. Trump. And this guy wins in Argentina. And then it keeps going. Watch this. In a political shift to the far right, anti-Islam populist Gert Wilder wins big in Dutch elections. Anti-Islam populist Gert Wilder said Thursday that he is ready to join the next Dutch coalition government uh, after he surged to a huge election victory that marked a stunning lurch to the far right for a nation once famed as a beacon of tolerance. The result is sending shockwaves through Europe where extremist nationalist ideology, extremist, is putting pressure on democracies that now face the possibility of having to deal with the first far-right prime minister of the Netherlands. It is going to happen that the PVV is in the next cabinet, Wider said, using the Dutch abbreviation for the Party for Freedom. Remember, go back. You guys have watched this show for a long time. Remember me covering the Dutch farmer strikes in the Netherlands in the spring where the wacky, woke government wants to shut down 50% of their farms, kill 50% of their cows to stop them from farting, right? This is the fight, and this is the result. The Dutch farmers won. They elected this guy, okay? This is a big damn deal. His historic victory appears based on his campaign to curtail migration, the issue that caused the last government coalition to quit in July and to tackle problems including the Netherlands' cost of living crisis and housing shortages. In his victory speech, Wilder said he wants to end what he calls the asylum tsunami, referring to the migration issue that came to dominate his campaign. The Dutch will be number one again, Wilder said, the people must get their nation back. But to become prime minister of a country known for compromised politics, the politician sometimes called the Dutch Donald Trump must persuade other party leaders to work with him and the coalition government. Do you see what's going on? Do you see how the right, far right, the, the, the what do they call it, radical extremist nationalist ideology, what's extremist about your country first? What's extremist about your family first? Your city first, your country first. It's not extreme. 
It's normal. They're extreme. They're the extremist. You have to say the truth. You have to say, make America great again, MAGA, is the truth. Your number one job is to make America great again. Otherwise, why would you live here? Your number one job is to make you great again, to make your family, your marriage right again, to make your family great again, to make your community great again, to make your state great again, and to make America great again. That's how you influence the world for the better. They're calling it far right. What the hell's far right about these Islamists came into the Netherlands, raped our children, you know, killed people, committed crimes, took up our housing, and you want to let more in? That's far right? No, no, that's just simply right. The truth is, that's simply right. You had enough good news? Oh, I'm not going to let you. Oh, man, it's like Trump. We're going to win so much, you're going to get tired of winning. Here we go again. Charleston, South Carolina, elects its first Republican mayor since the Reconstruction era. The historic South Carolina city of Charleston has elected the first Republican mayor since 1870s. William Coswell, formerly a Republican state lawmaker, defeated incumbent Democrat Mayor John Tuckleberg by two percentage points in Tuesday's runoff election, according to South Carolina's Election Commission. Results posted online by the commission showed a 569 vote margin separating the two candidates. Understand, it's been a Democrat stronghold for 100 years, more than 100 years, and a Republican just won. Why do you think that is? Maybe defund the police doesn't work. Maybe being a you know a, a amnesty city doesn't work. And remember, this goes in conjunction with what's going on in Louisiana, where the governor won and three more Republicans won in a state where the Democrats were pretty dominant. But it doesn't end here. It doesn't end here. Here's some more. Some more. Pro-Trump candidates beats a moderate Dem in Utah's special election to fill the last U.S. House seat. So this is a case where, you know, we have a very thin margin in the House, and they're throwing Santos out, so that's going to hurt us, okay? But he should be thrown out. But now we're going to add this person in who's going to be not just a Republican, a strong Republican. Republican Celeste Malloy beats State Senator Kathleen Reby a self-described moderate to win Utah's special election Tuesday night, filling the last remaining open seat in the U.S. House of Representatives. The Associated Press called the race at 8.36 p.m. local time. The election, which was held in Utah's 2nd Congressional District, has was triggered by the resignation of former Republican Representative Chris Stewart, who left Congress in September due to his wife's unspecified illness. Malloy, who served as Stewart's chief legal counsel in Congress, won a three-way primary election that month, but then had to win in the, uh, in the runoff, which she did on Tuesday. She said, it's, it's exciting that we're going to have somebody come out of this primary that represents rural and southern Utah. I think it's time for that, and everybody's ready for it, Malloy said, following her primary win. So again, how about that? Someone from rural Utah in Congress helping Mike Johnson pass the Make America Great agenda. Folks, it's winning. We're winning. It's getting good. It's getting really good. And this is all part of something that I'm not surprised by, but you need to be aware of. A flood of retirements in Congress threatens to upend the 2024 election. Last year, before Election Day 2024, 
Less than a year before Election Day 2024, the number of retirements in the House and Senate may break a, re break a record for this cycle. 34 members of Congress have already announced they were not seeking re-election, including Senator Joe Manchin from West Virginia Senate seat, which we've talked in depth about. And I hope you watch the Dick Morris video. You can find it in our video section that says Manchin not running gives us the Senate and we'll have the House so that when Trump wins, we will have all of government to enact the MAG agenda. Go to the video section and watch that, okay? A few retirements in Congress will lead to that kind of decisive difference like with Manchin. Since most congressmen are already in non-competitive districts, a retirement won't matter in many districts. But according to Politico, at least out of the last 15 elections, the party with the fewest retirements have won 10 of them. Election, even with a partisan lean of 10, a district where retired incumbent is still considered in play by the opposing party. So even if you're a Democrat in a plus 10 district, because you're not the incumbent, you are vulnerable according to the way the politicians think, okay? Currently, now get this, currently there are 27 Democrats not running for re-election, while only nine Republicans are declining to run. Some of those candidates are running for another office. But why those 34 retirements are significant is because the cycle hasn't hit its historic peak of announcing retirements yet. After the Christmas holiday is when the flood of retirements will give us an idea of what the electoral landscape will look like for 2024. So here in Ohio, we have 11 Republican congressmen, two, Brad Reinstrup and Bill Johnson, have just said they're not running. And that's just the beginning. There may be another one just in Ohio. What does that mean to you and me? I say it's a mean, it's a chance for an upgrade. An upgrade. If we can get better Republicans, mega Republicans, to run for those seats, it will be critical to us having the legislative power we're going to need so that when Trump and the Project 25 people bring this plan to restore our nation, to, to rein in the, the huge bureaucratic deep state, that you're going to need legislation to put that in law. And that's where Trump failed in his first, his first term. He had executive orders that worked great. We need legislation. So for every Republican that's not going to run, you've got to find someone who's really strong to take their place. So in Ohio, for those of you from Ohio listening, our good friend Charles Tassel, who's been a really strong conservative you know, throughout his career as a lobbyist and working for the life movement stuff, he's going to run against Brad Weinstrup. Charles Tassel is a huge upgrade to Brad Weinstrup. And we're going to endorse him, and I guess I am endorsing him, and get behind him. I'll do a formal indictment later. Those of you in blue states where these Democrats are not running, you got to fight like hell because you could steal some of those seats. Right? So I'm putting this on your radar. But it's already a good sign. It says that, you know, 10 of the last 15 years, the side with the least retirements won, and the Democrats have way more. And you know why, folks? You know why? Because now that you're awake, now that we, the people, are engaged like we were with the Jim Jordan speaker race, and, and we got Tim, we got um, Mike Johnson, we showed force. Politics is a game of force, not influence. Okay, they're afraid of us. And you know what? It ain't so much fun 
when people know what you're doing. When you can't do those backroom deals, Congress isn't as much fun. All those people like Pelosi and stuff, Nancy Pelosi, I think, is worth $137 million. How do you do that when you've been on a government salary your whole life? How do you do that? Yeah, you did that by cheating. You did that by buying stocks after you had congressional hearings where CEOs told you things that weren't public information, and then you bought their stocks and made millions. Yeah, that's how they did it. Well, that's coming to an end. And they are getting out like rats leaving a ship. And they, they don't want to put up with you. They don't want you to tell them the truth in their town halls, in their public meetings, right? They don't want to deal with the Trump administration that's been staffed by 4,000 people that were trained and vetted by Heritage Foundation and Project 2025. They don't want to deal with you. Good. Get the hell out. We want our country back, and damn it, we're going to take it back. We're going to restore our Constitution. We're going to restore our rights. And you'll see in the Tucker Carlson video, he says, you make a list of all the things the American people want and all the priorities of Washington, and they don't even cross. That's got to change. Our list has to be their list. And so I asked you, the fourth video I asked you to watch was this video between Jordan Peterson and Dr. Kevin Roberts from the Heritage Foundation about conservatism. Now, why did I want you to watch this? Because it really helps me and will help you understand what is the nature of conservatism? How is it different from progressivism? What are we doing wrong and what are we doing right and how can we do it better? There, this is a really deep discussion of how we've got to do things better. And I carved out this one five-minute clip, which is a pretty long clip, but it's worth it because I think Dr. Peterson gets to the essence of it right here. So just listen up to this five-minute clip. you got to watch the whole thing, which is like an hour and a half, but this clip will help you. Just to give a, a precise example would be on the nature of the free market. For so many years, I mean, my entire upbringing, uh, to be conservative was to believe that the free market was some sort of altar, that in fact, free market belief was tantamount to being conservative. And while the free market is a good, free market is a symptom of a healthy society, healthy families, good public policy. It isn't the end unto itself. And so I mentioned that example because it's the most common conversation that we have internally when we're interviewing potential policy uh, colleagues, but also when we're having conversations internally about how to help the American political right navigate this reality that so many leaders of the so-called free market aren't even in the free market themselves. The most leaders of Fortune 500 companies actually hate conservatives and hate conservatism. The Heritage Foundation is, I would like to think, leading the way and beginning to re resolve that conflict. Okay, well, I have a bunch of questions about that. So the first comment in question, I suppose, is one on the strategic front. So I think the conservative movement, movement has weakened its argument for the decentralization of power by aligning that argument too closely with libertarian, neocon, and free market principles, because it often devolves into a, like, a, a, a proclamation that 
a government that's too large is too dangerous, which I do believe, but that's not the crucial issue as far as I'm concerned, that if the government was smaller, the tax burden would be less. If the tax burden would be less, that would be better because people should be economically free and they should be economically free because, well, the free, because the society functions better when the free market is as untrammeled as possible. And so it's kind of a, in some ways, it's an, an Ayn Rand philosophy of, you know, rugged individualism conjoined with libertarian admiration for the free market. Now, there are some problems with that. One you pointed to, and we'll get back to that later, I think, when we discuss neoconservatism. One is that the free market itself is probably not the only basis for an equitable and just and moral polity. It's not the thing that's at the bottom. And I think that's where the libertarian types have it wrong. And I think there are, are good reasons for that. But more importantly, there is a better reason to discuss the necessity of devolving power down the hierarchy to lower levels. The first thing I would say is it's not power when we shouldn't use that language because that's the language the leftists use. It's meaning and responsibility. And those things are aligned. And so what happens, and I've really found this idea striking a chord with audiences as I've talked around the world, is that if you deprive people of local responsibility, you deprive them of all the meaning in their life. Because the meaning in their life is actually a consequence of taking responsibility for themselves, taking responsibility for their marriage, for their family, for their local community, for their business enterprises, for their town, for their state, for their country, in that order, right? And then maybe to God. And responsibility obtains at every one of those levels. That's the subsidiarity idea, of course. But the purpose for that is that if you devolve that responsibility down the hierarchy, you reinstill the meaning in people's lives, the meaning that sustains them through catastrophe. And so, because you got to ask, you know, well, why, why should the typical young person listen to a conservative who says, well, you should take more local responsibility? Because it sounds like a lot of work, a lot of duty, and something that's not particularly hedonically gratifying. But if the answer is, well, if you forego that responsibility, you have nothing to sustain you when you suffer, and you forego the possibility of formulating the extremely tight and reciprocal social interactions that buttress you through life, and you deprive your life of intrinsic meaning, then that seems like a very bad idea for you. And I found is very striking everywhere I've gone to talk. If I make that connection between responsibility and meaning, the audiences fall completely silent. It always happens because no one, see, we haven't had a good discussion about the relationship between meaning and responsibility in, in the West for like 60 years, right? Since the mid sixties. It's been and a long so time. It's been a very long time. People assume that there's no meaning outside of a kind of a narrow hedonism or that there's no meaning at all. And that, and that's a very dismal, that's a very dismal set of propositions. And it is a weak place in the progressive enterprise because sustaining meaning is found in responsibility and really in self-sacrifice, or at least the sacrifice of the narrow self. Okay, so I hope you picked up on the key point there that free markets and, and conservatism are great because you know they cut your taxes, they make government smaller, they give you freedom. 
But what people want is meaning in their life. And we as conservatives have not gone the next step and said free markets and capitalism are about you having not only the freedom, but the responsibility to take care of your family, your community, right? And that's what gives you meaning. And think about it, folks. I mean, I know when I grew up in Erie, Pennsylvania, if I saw a paper on the street, a gum wrapper, my parents taught me to pick it up because it was my town. And I took proud pride in that. We cut our lawn because everybody cut their lawn because that's how you take care of your town. And when you get away from that, and it's all about you having the money to buy, you know, the latest iPhone or, you know, to, to go on a, a cruise or a trip to Thailand, okay? That's not what capitalism is about. That's not what conservatism is about. That's not what free markets are about. It's about giving you meaning and responsibility and building men and women who are strong. That's why this video is important for you to watch and it's posted on our website at wethepeopleconvention.org. You're going to watch it and then you're going to have to watch it again because it's so deep. But it's tied and you're going to hear Kevin Roberts talk about Project 2025 and how important it is. He tells you exactly how they're going to have to do things differently. Uh, he has a great segment in this section. I was talking to our friends Chris and Rich about this at lunch the other day. He's doing a speech talking about Project 2025 and saying, you know, we need warriors to come to Washington and, and, and work with the next conservative president and implement the Make America Great agenda, to rein in a deep state, to do all this stuff. And then in the same speech, he talks about how Washington, he sees a horrible place to live and you wouldn't want to go there. And it's, and it's just a mess. And he says, and one of the people, you know, in the, in the meeting had the guts to come and say, those two things don't really go together. And he said, you know, we realize we've got to do something about that. We're going to have to do something so the people who we get to come to Washington can have a place to live that's safe, to protect them. We've been in touch with the Project 2025 people, pushing them to make sure that you have legal defense, that you have social media help. Because what happens when you go to D.C.? When we win, when Donald Trump is reelected 11 months from now, when that happens... The left is going to turn on us viciously and try to destroy every one of us. And we are going to kick their butts. We're going to fight back. We ain't going to let them do what they did to Trump. And we're not going to let any damn Republican who let them do that survive. But you got to watch this video. So that's an ask, right? That's an ask. Go to wethepeopleconvention.org. There's four videos for you to watch, right? Tucker Carlson, Laura Logan's, um, the, the, uh, the America uh, you know, first election thing, and then you know Jordan Peterson. Powerful videos for you to watch and share between watching football and eating leftover turkey. Okay? All right. That wraps up our show for this week. It's really important that you tell other people about this podcast. That's how we grow our army. That's how we get more people to call their congressman and say, I want a January 6th commission to investigate the other January 6th commission. You've got to tell people about this podcast and what better time than Thanksgiving while you're sitting there on the couch watching a football game. 
Grab your phone and show them the website. Show them the We The People Convention app. Have them download the damn app right there, okay? Send me stories and your comments at info at wethepeopleconvention.org. Info at wethepeopleconvention.org. I mean, it's critical. I mean, you guys, you don't realize how important it is. I am not the brightest bulb in the lamp, okay? But I really, you know, benefit from you guys sending me this information. You know, I did not know about Harry Harry or the United Sovereign Americans until someone sent me this link, and I've got several links to his videos on there, and I've got a link to Project 2025 on there, okay? Unless you sent it to me. I, I wouldn't know about it at all. Now, thousands of people know about it because we share the truth. And I think, you're, you're, you know, we carried that theme out throughout this podcast. It's about the truth. And, and once you tell the truth, you can defeat the left because they can't, they can't sun, stand the sunlight. They're like vampires. They just can't stand it. So this weekend, do what Tucker Carlson said. Make the commitment to tell the truth, no matter how difficult it is, always. And don't let the left force you into slavery by forcing you to not say what you really believe. Wow, what a powerful message. Go watch that Tucker Carlson video. It's only 30 minutes. Really good. God willing, we'll both be back together next Saturday as the holidays you know, are starting to ramp up. Christmas is just around the corner. I hope if you're ill, you're getting better. I hope that you're in good health. And I hope that you, know, you will have a great remainder of the holiday weekend and a great week and that you'll be back again to join us on the We the People Convention News and Opinion Podcast. My name is Tom Zawistowski. God bless you, and God bless America.